Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Could you imagine being worked up enough to steal an RV? We'll get to that in a bit, but first, exposing my boyfriend to his family. I'm a 24-year-old female and I was raised by four parents, two moms and two dads. Both of my biological parents were gay, but they were also beards for each other, getting married and having me until they could move far away and be with the people they truly loved. It's safe to say that I'm very understanding of the way things work in the world, and I'm also very supportive. My parents raised me to be a very receptive person, usually saying that you never knew what someone was going through, so it was better to be welcoming and kind instead of adding to their problems. That piece of advice stuck with me and shaped me into the person I am today. I made myself available to nearly everyone, taking on their emotional baggage from as young as elementary school. It didn't weigh on me much because I had a family that loved me to bits and treated me like I was just a much shorter adult, so it was easier to empty all of those baggages and not let them affect me once I was home. During freshman year of high school, I had one of my dads help me design a Tumblr blog to help students talk about things bothering them in my DMs and then I would give them advice while posting positive mental health messages on my wall. I also designed posters and put them up. By the third week of school, answering DMs and dishing out advice was a full-time job, but I loved it. I was everyone's anonymous best friend that was actually there for them. It was a pretty huge accomplishment for me and I had my parents check in with me and make sure that I also took my schoolwork as seriously as I was supposed to and that I didn't go crazy. All of it ended when I was exposed as the one who ran the blog during high school graduation, so I shut it all down. I was going to college anyway, so there was no need. I ended up not going to college right and doing two years of traveling instead. At that time, I found a friend who was a fellow traveler, and after some time, we started to date. I really liked him, and I really liked how it felt. We were together for a year and traveled together so much in that time, but in the blink of an eye, it was all over, and I had to go back home, and so did he. We didn't want to keep in touch, but kept each other's numbers just in case. I started college at 20, and it was hours away from home. Having left my parents and being freshly heartbroken, I was too much of a wimp to actually enjoy any of the school activities, and I only went straight to bed after classes. My only friend was conveniently my roommate, and she was kind enough to invite me out a lot. Each time I declined, but it didn't stop her. She was fine with always asking me to come along with her. I finally agreed to go on a night out with her on her birthday to the house party of a stranger that neither of us knew. But I soon got tired of the noise and found myself a spot outside with a large bowl of popcorn and a drink. I remember distinctly what I was eating because this random drunk kid came over and dug his hand in the bowl and started eating. It was a pretty big bowl, so I was fine with sharing, but what irked me was the fact that he reeked of alcohol. I decided not to speak to him, but he started to rant about how much he disliked homosexuals and how they would all go to heck. I know what you're gonna think. How was I not enraged? 
Well, I was, but I was also intrigued because it all sounded so forced, as if he was trying so hard to impress someone. It was just us two there, so maybe he was trying to impress me. But it was stupid because although he didn't know it at the time, I have four gay parents, so any slander would be taken personally. The dude just seemed more hurt the more he spoke, and at a point his voice broke and I turned him around to face me. Noting that there were tears in his eyes and that he looked very upset, I let him cry and after he was done, I let him have my number and asked him to call me if he wanted to talk. I'll be honest, after bearing himself like that to a total stranger, I didn't expect a call from him at all. But the next day, I was sitting in a McDonald's wearing a new shirt. I'll call him Tim. Tim was just what I needed to be myself again. After almost three years of not giving anyone therapy or being helpful to anyone in the way I really liked to, along came a guy with more tears in his eyes than the Atlantic Ocean, and I liked it. I didn't just like the fact that he was vulnerable, I liked that I seemed to be the only person he was vulnerable with. It was like our special thing to meet every Wednesday and Friday at a different restaurant. He would suggest, and then we would sit down and talk. Playing therapist felt so natural with him, and on some rare occasions, I told him about some things bothering me too. My roommate used to joke that he liked me, but I didn't want to believe her. Plus, I'm a pretty straightforward person, and I don't know how to take hints. Tim's big secret was that he was bisexual. That was a problem in itself, because he came from an extremely conservative Catholic family that he claimed would shoot him dead if they ever found out. As a kid who grew up with a black mom and a white dad who were both gay and children of avid Christians, I could understand greatly his struggles, and I wanted to help him so badly. From the day after we met and for months after, Tim and I met with each other every week, and we talked about so many things. I developed the biggest crush on him, but he mostly told me about people, especially guys that he liked. I had to shelve all of my feelings and just be there for him as much as possible to sort of guide him through it as his friend. Once, while we were drinking together, he told me that he thought of me as an older sister because of how wise I was. I cried my eyes out that night, but I also came to terms with the fact that maybe I was just meant to be a good ally, and that's what I was focused on being for him. I was his wingman, I went to every pride event, and I even let him practice makeup on my face once. He failed miserably. It was nice, but my crush on him was getting stronger, so I decided to distance myself from him. When you go from spending every day with someone to always being busy when they call, they're bound to notice, and he did. He came to my dorm room, and just as it happens in the movies, we had a brief argument, where I blurted out that I liked him, and he said that he liked me too. It was a little too fairy ish for me, but it was a sweet moment. We still didn't begin dating because it was nearly summer and we lived in different parts of town. All we spent the summer doing was talking on the phone, and by the time school was in session again, we just knew that we had to start dating. Tim was a good boyfriend when he wanted to be. He was fun and funny and kind and knew how to do a lot of things. I was constantly impressed by him. Another thing that made me really happy was the fact that he was openly an ally. He was still hidden in the closet, but he supported those who had come out, promising me that he would come out with his family when he was established enough to live independently on his own. But when Tim was mean, it was unreal. I didn't see this part of him during our friendship, but then again, he had never seen me naked or seen me be very vulnerable with him at the time. 
it was like our relationship was either really good or I was getting the silent treatment and wondering what the heck I did wrong. During spring break, I suggested going to see my parents and he accepted the idea, even suggesting that we drove to his parents for a weekend before going to stay with mine for the week. His parents were sweet at first glance, very welcoming and didn't have an ounce of racism radiating from them. They really were very Catholic though and it was a little uncomfortable being irreligious and being among them, but they were nice about that too. They were nice about everything except being gay. The kind of slurs I heard about gay people in one day, I had never heard in my entire life. I tried to speak and be a little defensive, but I got shut down immediately. Later on after dinner, Tim and I got into a huge fight because of it, and I felt like absolute crap for the rest of the weekend and on the drive back to my parents' home. Tim knew that both of my parents were gay with their separate partners and that we all lived together in the same house, so he was very comfortable with it. What shocked me was the minute the car was parked, he was suddenly so sweet to me, making me look at him in awe of how quickly he could switch so easily. All four of my parents must have seen it because they spent time talking about how Tim and I shared the look of love. I enjoyed the positive attention I got from Tim until Tuesday when I caught a terrible case of the flu and fell really ill. All I did was sleep, eat chicken noodle soup and watch romance movies that made me cry. Tim was barely in my room, so I assumed that he was doing fun activities with my parents, but when one of them came to check up on me, and I asked of him, they said he had gone to meet up with some old friends. He had never told me that he had friends in my town, but I let it slide because it didn't matter that much to me. We ended up staying for two weeks instead of one, and a day before we had to leave, I went swimming with a bunch of old friends, and we met someone from high school that I rarely spoke to. We ended up speaking and she snuck in a comment about how my friend was really cute. I wanted to correct her, but then she said something else that made me a little unsure and suspicious. So I waited until Tim had slept and then opened up his phone to look through. The first thing I saw was Tinder. He had a Tinder account and it was fully active. I went through it in the bathroom and counted a total of seven girls and one guy that he'd hooked up with in just two weeks of me being sick in a completely new place. To say I was heartbroken was the understatement of this century, and I called my best friend and roommate back home crying to her. After two hours on the phone together, we decided that instead of breaking up with Tim immediately, we had to teach him a lesson. Tim knew that I trusted him, and so he was pretty free around me, which included leaving his devices with flimsy passwords that I knew he had access to. So I was able to log into his email on my own laptop and delete the evidence from his devices. Then I went about hatching my plan. At college, Tim was a big deal. He played soccer and was friends with kids of some of the most powerful and influential people. So he was basically scared of no one. But back home, I witnessed firsthand how he shook when his dad spoke, no matter how low the tone. On a Friday, Tim and I had just finished doing the deed and we were drinking some wine when I slipped something into his drink. Once he fell asleep, I invited my roommate and a few of our guy friends to come in, dressed as robbers with black masks, the whole shebang, and we basically directed a soft adult entertainment movie. It was hard making him look like he was an active participant, but we did a good job in making Tim look like he was having a massive night with four other guys. Some of the shots looked like he took them himself even, 
blurry and all. Nothing really happened. There was no contact or even fully unclothed men, but if you looked at the pictures, you would never guess that. The next morning, he woke up with a headache, and I pretended that I had one too. Slowly, our relationship phased out until we were barely even talking to each other, and I was very aware that he was serially cheating on me. Just before summer break, he broke up with me. I was okay though, happy even, because I had a plan. On the last week of summer break, before we were meant to resume for our senior year of college, I sent the compromising photos to Tim's father's email through his account that was logged into my phone. Tim didn't come back to college the next semester, and I heard that he transferred to a community college close to his house to finish his last year there. Did I feel bad for what I did? Absolutely. I cried for weeks, but I felt satisfied and proud of myself too, and that was what mattered the most to me. I don't know if there's really any heroes in this story, I mean especially considering the way their parents were going to treat Tim. Probably messed things up pretty badly for Tim, but he also should not have been a serial cheater. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our final story of the day is, ex-friend stole my boyfriend, so I stole her RV. Sometimes, I wish it was possible to live this life alone, just get a farmhouse in a country somewhere and just be without having to see people and you know that when you do see people they're probably trespassing and you get to shoot them humans with all the gifts of knowledge and consciousness of good and bad they've been given are still the most dumb selfish and backstabbing creatures ever created we lie cheat and hurt people just to make ourselves feel momentarily better and just rinse and repeat those same destructive habits day after day the crazy paradox is that we do these bad things to the people we say we love. Our families, our friends, our best friends. I had a best friend once. We told each other everything, did things together and shared almost everything. I loved her and I thought she loved me too until she proved just how much she loved me by stealing the one good thing I had in my life at the time. My boyfriend. Now that hurt me and since I said we shared everything, I made her share a part of my pain, but let's start at the top. I moved to Texas a few years ago, just a few months after I finished college. It was a tough decision for me because I've lived in the city all my life. I only had to do this because I had to save money and, you know, get away from people. I had a problem with the members of my family. They wanted me to work in my... Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Stepfather's firm? I couldn't. 
He was a maniacal, egotistical, narcissistic son of a birch, and I couldn't stay in his house any longer than I needed to. Everybody in my family, not even my mom would agree to see from my perspective. To them, I was the stupid, reckless, and ungrateful stepdaughter that had decided to waste her life by pursuing a career in music. Also, my high school sweetheart and college boyfriend moved to Canada for work, so there wasn't anything left for me back home. I used all of my savings to rent an apartment, and I worked part-time at a McDonald's restaurant while I used the rest of my time writing songs. I wasn't the type of person that gets lonely or needs people, but after a few weeks in a new state, I discovered that it was because I had never been alone enough to know what loneliness meant. I tried calling my ex-boyfriend in Canada, but his line was disconnected. I couldn't call my half-brother or my stepfather, they're all a bunch of jerks. I wanted to call my mom, but I decided against it. My ego was more important to me than anything else. A few intense, lonely days later, I decided to sign up for a local gym a few blocks away from my house. It wasn't a decision I made for my health. I had a naturally fit body. I could never get fat no matter what I ate. I just had to leave my apartment to meet people. On my first day at the gym, I jogged on my treadmill as I watched other people do their exercises. It was mostly old folks and occasionally some young people, but I wasn't the type of person to walk up to someone just to say hi. I always tried to find common ground or it's a no-go. This wasn't the same for Lexi. She got on the treadmill next to mine, flashed me a smile, and then said hi. I smiled back and continued my exercises. She promptly introduced herself, then started to ramble on and on about the weather. I don't know if it was because I haven't had company in forever, but that was one of the best conversations about the weather I've ever had. Even after my routine on the treadmill, I stuck around to chat with Lexi. A few hours later, I checked my watch and discovered I was going to be late for work if I didn't leave immediately. So I bid Lexi goodbye and then left the gym. She didn't offer to give me her number, and because I didn't want to be too forward, I didn't ask. A few days later, I was finishing up my shift at work when Lexi walked in to grab a quick bite. She called out my name and waved to me like a high school girl seeing her boyfriend after a long summer holiday. It was insane. We spoke for a long while and then she waited till I finished up my shift. Then we walked together to the bus stop and finally exchanged numbers that day and decided to hang out the next day. We started to hang out almost every day after that. I learned that Lexi was a fairly successful artist. She paints and displays her works in some of the popular art museums in the country. There were some of her works that she didn't put up for sale though. Those were her best and favorite works which she kept hidden in a special compartment in her trailer. It actually took a lot of coaxing and cajoling before she finally agreed to show me. She moves a lot because of this, so she lived in a trailer house so she wouldn't have to pay rent every time she moves. Lexi was the first person I was actually comfortable enough to play my music for, and she loved it. Or at least that's what she said. I also went to some of her art exhibitions whenever I had the day free. It was in one of those art exhibitions that I met Jamie. I was walking around the hall, looking at some of Lexi's abstract paintings, when Jamie walked up beside me. He stared quietly at the picture for a few seconds, then he leaned in closer and said, That's definitely a boob. I was so surprised that I burst out laughing, making everyone in the hallway turn to me. He introduced himself as a final year art student, 
We spoke and exchanged jokes till the exhibit was over. Lexi had to stay back and meet with some important people of the art community, so Jamie and I went ahead. We strolled to the bus stop, talking about our lives and family. Funny how his family also didn't approve of him going to art school. That connection made us even closer, and by the time we had to go our separate ways, he asked me if I'd like to go out sometime. I quickly said yes, and we did. Three days later, we went on that date, and it was amazing. The first person I called was Lexi. I went to her trailer house, and I told her every single detail of the date. Lexi, who had never been serious with relationships, laughed at everything I said. She merely told me to bone him as soon as I could, before I started to see the reasons why the relationship wouldn't work. At first, I considered following her advice, but eventually I didn't. I was in a new city. It was time to open myself to new possibilities. Jamie and I went on a few more dates, and then we started to date exactly two months after we met in the art museum. I decided to introduce him to my best friend Lexi then, so we planned a weekend hangout. Jamie and Lexi hit it off immediately. They had so much to talk about since they were both into art. A few minutes into their discussion, they started to use art terms I didn't know, and I couldn't even follow the discussion anymore. It became really uncomfortable for me because I started to feel like the third wheel. What's worse, I stood up to go use the restroom, and they didn't even seem to notice. I had to forcefully change the subject so I could be part of the discussion once more. Eventually, Lexi had to leave because she was meeting up with an art contractor or something like that. But even when she was gone, the only topic Jamie talked about was Lexi and her talent and experience with art. I got really jealous and when I got home, it was all I could think of for a while. Was I being petty because my boyfriend and best friend are getting along so well? Or did I really have a reason to be at alert? I decided not to think about it and just see how it plays out. I expected that after a few days, things would go back to normal and I would have my best friend and boyfriend back. Individually, I was wrong. It only got worse. Whenever I hung out with Lexi, she would demand that I call Jamie to join us, and whenever I was with Jamie, even when we were being intimate, he would make really annoying remarks about how Lexi works on her brushstrokes or how much work she puts into her last painting. It didn't stop there. It got to the point where Lexi and Jamie exchanged numbers and started to text and call each other frequently. That was the last straw. I just couldn't take it anymore. I went into Lexi's trailer one weekend and yelled at her to stay away from my boyfriend. I might have overreacted there by calling her names like who are, slot, and so on, but in my defense, I was so mad and I didn't know what else to do. All the while, during my yelling, Lexi just sat there and took it. I thought she was being mature, and I started to feel guilty and stupid for yelling. When I got home, I called her to tell her that I was sorry, but we needed to lay down some boundaries with my boyfriend. Lexi told me flatly to not bother because she didn't want to be friends with me anymore. I thought she was just mad, so I decided to give her some space. But a few days turned to a few weeks and then a few months. Then I decided to leave. Just leave her be. If she didn't want to be friends anymore, that was her choice. Soon enough, I started to notice that Jamie was behaving differently. He started to ignore my calls and texts. He would go days without reaching out to me. He wouldn't even show up for movie or date nights. At first, I thought it was because of his final year exams. 
so I tried to play the supportive girlfriend. But even after he graduated from art school, nothing really changed. It only got worse. I wouldn't see him for weeks on end, and after I'd get a hold of him, he'd give some half-hearted excuse about a network problem, or how he was on a weak social media cleanse. I started to get the message that he was slowly pulling away from the relationship, but I was still in denial at the time, so I went to his apartment to confront him about it. I kinda wish I stayed home because it is as they say, ignorance is bliss. I got to his apartment door and knocked. The hallway was silent so I could hear what was going on inside the apartment. I didn't want to believe my ears when I heard soft moaning sounds coming from the living room. I tried to barge in but the door was locked so I continued to bang the door furiously till Jamie yelled, who the heck is it? I yelled back at him to open the door and when he did, I marched in, only to see a half-clothed Lexi on his couch. She didn't even have the decency to look remorseful. Instead, she told me how stupid I was for not figuring it out for so long. She stopped being friends with me because she wanted to make a move on Jamie, and she couldn't do that if she was still my friend. I turned to Jamie for an explanation, but I got none. Instead, he broke up with me on the spot and asked me to leave. I was devastated. Here were the only two people in the world that I actually opened myself up to, and they hurt me even more than everybody else combined. The walk back home was dreadful. As the tears poured freely from my eyes, all I could think of was why I deserved what I got. I couldn't come up with a simple reason. I took a week off of work and just laid in bed all day. After a while, I decided to stop feeling sorry for myself. My pain and sadness turned into anger, and I focused all of that anger on the people that hurt me, Lexi especially. Since she stole something of importance to me, I decided to return the favor and steal something of hers. My first instinct was to steal her special paintings. So a few weeks after the incident, I decided to use my free time to watch her movement. One day, when I'd mastered her schedule, I watched her from a distance as she got ready to leave for a meeting. When she left, I quickly rushed to the trailer, forced my way in, I found the paintings at the same spot as last time. Funny how she never changed her hiding spot after showing me the collection. I wanted to just steal the painting, but as I looked at the small collection, I decided that wasn't enough revenge. I wanted Lexi to feel the loss I felt, and taking a bunch of paintings just wouldn't cut it for me. So I decided right there to take her trailer house too. I had to hurry because, according to my calculations, she was going to be back within the next hour. I jumped out of the trailer, pulled away the blocks that kept the tires in place, then I jumped back into the car. I couldn't find the key, so I decided to hotwire the car. After a few sparks, the car started, and I drove it 30 minutes to the nearest cliff. I had to stop by my apartment to get some kerosene, so when I stopped at the slope cliff, I poured kerosene on the painting and the interior of the trailer. Then, I put it in drive before lighting the paintings on fire. I had to give it a little push to make it move and fall over the cliff. The trailer crashed on the rocks below, and I watched as the fire quickly spread and consumed the whole trailer. After that, I dusted my hands, then went back home to prepare for work. A few days later, I was questioned by the police if I had anything to do with it. I promptly denied it, and since they didn't have any evidence tying me to the crime, they let me go. Anyways, Lexi moved a few weeks later, 
and I never saw her again. I'm impressed that the police would give up that easily considering the circumstances at hand here and how likely it would be that OP would be attached to possibly doing such a thing. But hey, if they get away with it, they get away with it. I'm not going to say it was the right thing to do, that's for sure. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 